0: Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of Match it and the Other Guy. And Kevin and I are sitting outside my home on the banks of Lake Wiley in Charlotte, North Carolina, on a gray and overcast day. It was raining earlier, Kevin, but it has stopped. But it is much cooler and it is much, much more pleasant for this time of year. Much more. Yesterday, I know I constantly complain about the humidity, but yesterday out here, it was just like sitting in a sauna. To me, it was unbearable. Hence, anyway. I was inside most of the day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It seems so awful during the summertime to lock yourself away out of the sun, but I have to. Oh, yeah. I don't blame you a bit. Can't function. I'm going to do the exact same thing. Well, as ever, I never know what we're going to be talking about.
1: You do. Kick us off. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, I think today's topic is very timely as we've just started the Olympics. In Tokyo. Yes.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I thought we'd have a little discussion about the Olympics, since it's right on top of everyone's mind right now. Yeah, okay. I, um, I'm not a great
0: fan of the Olympics, but I don't wish that to sound like I really don't care about them whatsoever. Uh, I'm just not drawn into it in the in the way that many other people are.
1: How how are you with the Olympics? Is it a big thing with you? I enjoy them each yeah. year. I look forward to them each year. I don't I don't have to watch every minute of every bit of coverage, but uh, you know I like to tune into the highlights and stuff. And nowadays, you know, with them showing on so many different versions of the network, you see a lot of coverage during parts of the day. Whereas used to, you know, everything would be com- compiled to f- your prime time viewing when everyone was home from work. So you have a lot of opportunities. I'll put it on in my shop and have it on during the day a lot. Yeah.
0: I know it's a great yeah. I mean, it's a great occasion around the world. Of course, it is. But, uh, how about um, tell me one story of the Olympics? Try try to get me ex- more excited about the Olympics than I've ever been. Tell me one great story of the Olympics from your perspective. Save. Say from an American perspective, tell me
1: something about the Olympics from an American perspective that really did it for you. That, one, that one's an easy one to answer, and it has to be the miracle on ice. Because not only do I think it's a great Olympic moment, in my recollection, anytime I think about this topic, it's, to me, the greatest moment in sports history. Wow. I'm sure that's quite arguable with many other people. Sure. But to me, I, I think that is the penultimate moment in sports.
0: Great. Okay. Well we've picked on a great topic then. So explain it to me. I'm aware of the miracle on ice, um, but only very, very vaguely in terms of detail. It, ice hockey. Ice hockey. Okay. And which Olympics This
1: was the nineteen eighty Lake Placid. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, in the in the US. So it was in our, you know, our own country, which yeah. was great. So it was the, the Lake Placid Olympics in eighty. And we were taking on, you know, a number of teams obviously, but toward the end we had to take on the Russians. Yes. Which was like David and Goliath. Right. And the the Russians, I think, had dominated for probably decades in the yes. Olympics. And it was no question they were going to come in and we were not going to be a, a blip on their radar in their quest for gold. Okay. And they were, uh, you know, the the best of, of the Russian players that had been, you know, for, for quite some time. And our group was essentially uh, pulled in from different college programs and such like that. So they were a. I don't know if is the right word, but, you know, yeah. brought in to, from different groups and stuff. They're, you know, young, essentially amateurs. I think maybe a couple had prayed semi-pro maybe or something like that at best. Yes. And, uh, you know, again, no, probably never trained together and all that, and were brought together to form this Olympic team led by Herb Brooks. Herb Brooks was the, the head coach.
0: Okay. So, so just just for my education here, there were, there were effectively no professional players in the team for the United States, is that all the Olympics? Is the Olympics like that anyway? You It was be. at that time. It was at that time. And right. I can't
1: remember okay. when they tr- when they. It must have been within the next twelve years. They changed it. Yes. To where you could have professional athletes from. You know, whatever country, you can have anybody yeah, because you're say, representing.
0: Fr- from, from my perspective, not knowing that much about the Olympics from the outside looking in, I would just say, well, if i am trying to put the best ice hockey team together for the Olympics, I would say him and him and him and him and him from six different teams, wherever it would be, and they're the best in the, the United States, we'll use those guys. But you couldn't do that back then.
1: Yeah, right? well, which is kind of funny because if you, if you do do that, which I guess they do these days, obviously, so many of the hockey teams were, were foreign anyway. That they probably go back to represent their own country, and we would yeah, we would okay. not be that great. Right, right, I right, think you right. get a lot of Canadians and probably Russians yeah. and such like that. I'm I'm not sure where they mainly come from. I don't follow the NHL that much, but um, they'd probably be back representing their own country anyway during the Olympics, and we wouldn't have you know the greatest quote dream team yeah. like we had in basketball and such like that. But uh, the Miracle on Ice. It, it was so funny because people look look back on it, and I think they they remember it kind of differently, or, or kind of more of a legend. It wasn't the gold medal game.
0: Oh, and I always it, thought it was. No, no, it, it actually when it, it actually it happened.
1: I think on a, uh, it was, I know it was on a Friday, and it might have been five in the afternoon, early evening, okay. or something like that. So it kind of wasn't, you know, that big of a cover. So a lot of people didn't get to see it live anyway. Right. And so it was, it was a, quali-
0: uh, forgive me if I got the terminology wrong, but it was a qualifying game to get towards goal, was it? Yeah, was I mean, right, it, was, okay. it was, you
1: know, the eliminations. Uh, the eliminations, It was the next, right. next whatever. Yeah. And yeah. so not that many people got to see it live. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it just became, you know, the legend after that. But um, I think they replayed it that evening. Um, but the other, the other part of that was once they did beat them, which was just amazing. And to, you know, thank to YouTube, you can go back and watch all this footage and you know the this, the final seconds and and the announcer screaming, "Do you believe in miracles?" and all that, which is just again what's made it to me the greatest greatest moment. Yeah. Um, but they still had one hurdle; they still had to take on Finland. So it wasn't, it wasn't the gold medal at that point. Right. It was, we still have one more, one more uh, speed bump in the road. Yeah. And uh, so they had to take on Finland, which I think two days later maybe they played them and fortunately beat them. Though they were uh, lagging behind at the halftime, at, at the half. Yeah. And uh, had to come back from that. To win and get gold. And,
0: and do you think they were so buoyed and given extra, uh, an extra boost of confidence from the way that they played against the Russian team that helped them in that oh, I'm gold sure. against Finland? If, I'm yeah, sure. I mean, absolutely on top of their game. I mean, they must have been so thrilled to have built, beat the Russians in yeah. elimination match. Yeah, I don't think
1: you had time to be jaded. <laughs> we've got to get busy and we've got to take on <laughs> yeah, Finland and yeah. you've got to go. Yeah. And I, I did, I, I've read that. Uh, that when they they did come into the the locker room during the, the half and uh, that the, the coach really kind of gave them a good good speech with some pretty colorful metaphors <laughs> about how this you know you'll you'll, you'll regret this till, you're, till your till your grave yeah. if you don't beat these right. these this finished team it's now or never it's yeah one of those yeah. Like, yeah so uh, they came out and uh, shined and uh, another thing you know go back and look at it it's you know again part of the miracle in High story but at, when they did the um, the medal ceremony, they did it, you know, on the rink, and uh, I think, I guess you just had one person represent, or maybe one or two people up representing you, and uh, I believe it was Mike Iruzzioni who was the captain. Okay. And he takes the gold medal, and of course, you know, he's just probably overcome, you know, yeah. with emotion and everything like I that. I But... And then it, when it, they kind of were finishing up. I think he turns around to the team and gives them a, come on, come on. And they all – he said he said to this day – I've seen documentaries before. Yeah. And he said, how on earth we got all of us up there on that tiny podium, but we did it. And they were all standing up there <laughs> yeah. together. And I tell you, just, I just don't think there's ever been a greater moment in sports. I mean, again, that's quite arguable, and there's yeah. many, many great moments. But that's, to me – and I'm not a huge so hockey fan, but that really is just – it for me, yes.
0: Uh, well, that is a very inspiring tale, and now that you've shared that with me, I will have a look on YouTube tonight because I am absolutely sure that'll be on YouTube. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, there's almost everything in the world is on YouTube these days. and know we keep referencing it in our
1: podcast, but I'd love to go back and, and see that. So, so let's go, let's go to you. What, uh, what moments have inspired you Olympic wise? Well, as I said, you know, at the start of this
0: episode, I'm, I'm not really overly attracted to. The Olympics, so I don't I don't follow it. Though I am always inspired by the story of real people doing real things, as you know, in any walk of life. Whether it's an Olympic athlete or a coal miner in England in the 1920s, it doesn't matter to me. It's the it's the story that always attracts me. And of course, when you you know when you look at the Olympics, you are seeing athletes men and women that have trained and trained and trained to be the absolute best of their game. And so there, are, I can understand that the Olympics is always a wonderful treasure trove of stories for that very reason, because you're seeing the best in the world competing against the best in the world. Exactly. And that's full of fantastic stories. But the, the one story that always stands out in my mind, uh, and I'm speaking now um, from growing up in England, was a chap called... Eddie the Eagle. Does that name ring a bell to you? I've, I've heard of it somewhere along yeah. the line. Yeah. Well, his name is actually Michael. It was Michael Edwards is, is his actual name. But he gained this name, Eddie Edwards, at school. Um, but he represented Britain in the 88 Olympics, which was at Calgary, I believe. Sounds right. And he represented Britain as um, a ski jumper. Now, England, Great Britain, I should say, not represented England, it was representing the nation of Great Britain. Great Britain were very, very poor in this discipline, as one might imagine. It was not something that they excelled at. But Eddie the Eagle put his hand up and said, I'll have a go. I'll, I will try this. And so he was entered as the... British entry for, for ski jumping. Now, with all due respect to Eddie, I think he came last in the two in the two um, disciplines. Lengths of jump, I think, however you describe ski jumping. And I think be, he was last. But that's not the, the point of the story to me. The point of the story is that he was prepared to have a go. And it, this is my opinion, and I may be wrong, but I feel that the Olympic Committee, having seen Eddie not being very good as a ski jumper, but representing Britain, actually changed the rules of entry for following years of competition. So they would have excluded
1: Eddie the Eagle's efforts because he wasn't good enough. I mean, that's when they thought they might have bringing in the I think they did. I think they. Well, it was eighty-eight to ninety-two. We know there was a change. So. Yes,
0: uh, but to me, I have to say, if that's the case, I couldn't disagree more with that because if you look at if you take the Olympic Games to its absolute grassroots, go right back through thousands of years to ancient Greece. All of those original disciplines would have been military exercises. They would have been, you know, the throwing of the javelin. Well, we can see that from a spear. The the discus throwing, we can see that through it being a weapon, and um, the shot putting. I assume would have been moving cannonballs around, and but most especially the marathon running, and also the most particularly I would say the relay race would surely have been military messengers taking one message from a regiment to another regiment as fast as possible. Two, three thousand years ago there were no field telephones for example so runners were vitally important. So I'm sure all those disciplines were military inspired exercises. Now with that in mind when you look at the ethos, the credo I I would say of the Olympics It is great athlete versus great athlete. Yes, we see that, but it's also, of course, it is a competition between nations, is it not? The United States versus Russia versus Great Britain versus France, on and on and on. It is nation against nation in sporting competition, which is a terrific thing. Mm -hmm. But of course, again, you take it back to its uh, early roots, that would have been nation defending each each other against an invading force. Now, if you looked at the great invading armies of ancient Rome, for example, or ancient Egypt or Greece, they, these countries would have had very mighty powerful armies. And they were invading many smaller countries that realistically didn't stand a chance of defending themselves against the might of ancient Rome. Let's use that as an example. But it did this is the, the I'm getting to the point here. The, it didn't stop the warriors of those smaller countries that knew they were going to be defeated from standing up in, in, in competition against superior forces. It was tiny country A versus ancient Rome, tiny country B versus the might of, of ancient Greece. And so in terms of what Eddie the Eagle was doing for Great Britain, he was prepared to stand up for Great Britain knowing that he would be defeated, but still being prepared to have a go. And that is the very basis of what the, the, the Olympic Games is all about. It is sporting competition between athletes. It's sporting competitions between countries. And
1: Britain were prepared just to stand up and, and try. That's, That's right. what it was, right? Yeah, because yeah. you can just be uh, you know, an average citizen and just decide like he did that I'm going to go for for this. Yeah. And it may be something you've done somewhat, it may be one of those that I've never tried it, but I'm going to and if there's a dearth of that in your country, yeah. you may weave your way through the ranks and make it all the way to where you can compete and anyone is welcome to do that. And we see we see more and more sports come to the forefront that were kind of, you know, oh, I didn't even know this was an Olympic thing because it was never covered. Right. But now you'll see, you know, how long is, you know, we've actually kind of paid attention to curling for a few decades now. Yes. Whereas that would have never gotten coverage. Yeah. But a lot of just average Joes. Just standing up and saying, I'll have a go.
0: That's right. And And who knows, their skill
1: may be the best, you know, they've ever seen. They never knew they had it.
0: but I I think in terms of uh, Michael Edwards, Eddie Eddie the Eagle, I, I think he came under a fair amount of criticism from Britain, too. Imagine that, if you will. And <laughs> countries always like to support people to, a, to an extent and then crush their hopes. And I think, I think uh, Eddie the Eagle came under reasonable criticism from his own country, Great Britain in this case, and others around the world, I'm sure, with the idea that he's just bandstanding, bandstanding just, he just wants to be seen to be in the Olympics. Well, I'm sure, to a degree, that's the case that Eddie the Eagle wanted to be in the Olympics. But which athlete from any country doesn't want to be in the Olympics? That's why they're there. They train their best to be in the Olympics. Everybody wants to be in the Olympics. But I always came away with the impression, reading of Eddie's events years ago, and it happened a long while ago, 40 something years ago, that I think if anybody else who was a superior ski jumper had tapped Eddie on the shoulder and said, Eddie, thanks very much but I am better than this, better than you at doing this. Eddie would have just stood to one side and said, have at it, you know, but there is nobody else, you know, Uh I'm prepared to have a go because there is nobody else. And I think that's a great story about the Olympics is just being prepared to have a go. But Eddie himself, I think in later life, he actually had quite a successful career. He went on to um, feature in TV shows, I think he even hosted a couple of TV shows had guest appearances on Dancing with the Stars, or whatever it would be, you know? And fairly recently, there was a movie made about his career with Hugh Jackman involved. I can't remember the title of it. I'm gonna guess it was Eddie the Eagle, but I'm sure mm-hmm. we can find out that title via the internet. Um, but that movie, I think, if it came out in 2018, 2017, 2018, somewhere around there, I think it was the best grossing film of Great Britain in that year. So his story has been remembered. I just think it's a great story of what, you know, again, the Olympics taking it right down to its grassroots. That is what
1: the Olympics should be. Someone standing up and having to go. Yeah. yeah. And it's become beloved folklore of Britain, it sounds like, his story anyway. <laughs> Which I think, you know, it kind of harkens to the uh, Jamaican bobsled team. It's the same. That is an island. society Yeah. Well, you know, why not? Why well, you not? Know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I, I cannot agree. And again, I may be wrong and I, I don't want to speak out of turn. So again, this is just my opinion. But if the rules were changed to prevent real, let's describe them as rank amateurs. I mean, they're absolute amateurs in a particular sport. But if the rules were changed to prevent that level of enthusiasm at grassroots level from from being a part of the Olympic Games, I can't agree with that. Yeah, I can't agree with that. Yes, we want to see the best, best athletes in the world, and 99.9 of the percent of the time we do. But there's nothing to stop a bobsleigh team from a you know an island coming and taking part in the Olympics.
1: Why not? No, absolutely. No. Your country, not? and you can come represent. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I lo- I love it actually when they do the opening ceremonies and they do the parade of nations. Yeah. And, and you know, whereas yeah, you know, US is usually pretty late because I think they call us United States, so we're way down the alphabet- alphabetical line. But it's, you know, we'll bring in however many, a couple of hundred, yeah. maybe. And then there's that one That's country that'll literally have two athletes, the flag, <laughs> yeah. the flag, and, and one of them's holding it, and maybe the other athletes, well, the other one, can, and it's like... Two athletes for whatever and they of course you know on the broadcast and they will be representing da 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 in yes. this sport you know and stuff like that and you're like going you really want to root for them big time Of course you do. wouldn't that's it be great exactly. for them to medal
0: yeah but, and look at the smile on those athletes faces you know they are
1: just beyond thrilled to be there oh yeah yeah again in whatever discipline and it it may have, they may have scratched and scrimped and stuff and the whole country may have done everything they could just to get them just there. just to get them there so i love that but it, it does go back you know to what you're talking about the the prof- I don't know how I feel about the professional thing being part of it too. let's let's say the dream team was mm-hmm. it 92 I think was the first year okay and I mean it was like you know well they're going to win the medal well they should win the medal <laughs> they're the best NBA players yeah. brought from all over the world you now yes. mostly from America but still and I'm like in a way they only have they only have it to lose. They're fully expected to mow over everybody. And if they were to be beaten by some oddball country, <laughs> in yeah. a pie, it's like you come back and go, oh, we're going to renegotiate your contract. <laughs> because if you can't beat, you know, this little whatever, it's only like, uh, but, and then it's, yeah. it's not exciting to watch just somebody that's so superior come in and just mow them down. And then, you know, they celebrate, and then they, you know, get their gold, and da, da, da. I don't know if they were on the Wheaties box or not. They might have been, but... Uh.
0: I don't know how I feel about that. It's a, I find myself in a, in, a, in a state of conflict, really, about it. Because, again, I understand the sporting heritage of the Olympics and all of that, and it's a wonderful thing. We've just talked about that. But also, again, if you take it back to grassroots level, when it was the country's best warriors versus another country's best warriors... Wouldn't you want the best players in
1: your yeah, country to be yeah. representing? Yeah, and I always like there was. I came to seem to remember there was kind of a gray area when it you, you when it had to be amateur athletes. Mm. I think some countries very much fudged that. I think America was, you know we had a lot of pro teams of different things and had those structures and those defined lines of you've gone pro you got a contract that. that, that. I think a lot of the other countries were bringing over, or bringing to whatever country they were hosting. And maybe there was a fudging of where they could bring their best, but we weren't—we had to keep our amateur status only with uh, you know whomever was, was representing us. So. Yeah. And once you open it up to all pro, it's just any, anybody. But speaking of the NBA, you know Yao Ming would represent china so in the olympics he would play for china yeah whereas he obviously played for the nba when he was you know part of his regular career yeah you know and and they're opening up more and more and more sports it seemed like coming which is good and interesting i think if they don't get the coverage and don't find it it's viable they may you know drop them again yeah they're bringing in new things and, and such like that and
0: i don't understand i mean i must say please educate me if you can on this why particular sports have uh, never been a part of the Olympics. Again, maybe I'm answering my own question by saying, if, again, if you take it back to grassroots, they were all military exercises and stem from there. And can you say that golf has a, a part in the Olympics? I don't, I don't know. I'm picking one sport at random and
1: mm-hmm. saying that, you know. Or... Which is one of the fairly fairly recent additions. Yeah. You know? Now, also, also the other things I love, you know, looking back, is, is the traditions, and, and speaking of 92, I think another great moment in the Olympics, it's my absolute favorite as far as this goes, was how they lit the cauldron. Well, that was it was
0: 92 Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah, okay. And right, the right, lighting
1: right. of the, the cauldron was done by the archer. And how did that happen? And they were in in the, the stadium or whatever and had done the, the, you know, the all that big program. Yeah. And the archer comes out and, you know, of course he's, you know, from Spain. And they they light the tip of the arrow, and he points it up in the air. No kidding. And lets her go, and it flies up and into the cauldron, and whoosh comes up the uh, And that wasn't done wires or anything. That was legit one shot with it an arrow. It was one shot. Wow. But I, I have gone back and look. I mean, you're in a stadium, and where's that thing going? Because <laughs> it arcs over. That's right. They must have just cleared everything in yeah. that zone. And I probably think there's probably a switch that actually turned on the f- full fire. I don't know that the actual fire from the arrow is probably more ceremonial yeah. when it hit. But nevertheless, the, the arrow hit the dish, hit the uh, cauldron. That's what it looks like on the video yeah. to me. Yeah. And I said, there will never be a better lighting ever than that. You know, they've done ones where they walk up and touch it and whatever. And then it's so funny because that was summer. And the next summer was the U.S. and it was 96 in Atlanta. And God love him. It was, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali, which was wonderful to have him up there. Mm. And he was the final... Lighter. He was the lighter of the torch. Okay. And the, 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 run, the last runner presented it to him, which was phenomenal. But it was kind of on this like wire pulley system. He lit this thing and the wire pulley kind of ricketed its way up to the top. And I went, eh, <laughs> you know, it was just, <laughs> it wasn't that. Not as spectacular as 90, No, by any stretch. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. uh, but 96 was also the, the one I actually attended the Olympics. Did you enjoy that? I uh, getting to go to the Olympics is a yeah. very special thing. Yeah, I'm sure. And wh- how it happened was, I was working at Goody's Family Clothing, which we've touched on in yeah. Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. Um, which isn't too four hours from from Atlanta. Of course, there's a lot of hu- lot of hubbub, you know, for a few years leading up to it. And, sure. You know, it's happening in Atlanta with all the construction, they're building and changing. Yeah. And we were still going down for concerts and stuff occasionally, so we'd see the changes happening. And I was just working one day during that Olympic sometime two weeks, and one of the uh, people in the media department kind of just walked through the advertising department, and as she kind of, as she walked by my desk, said something along the line, hey, anybody want Olympic tickets for tomorrow? And I just, without (laughs) missing a beat, spun my chair around and said, I'll take them. I didn't know what they were for or whatever, but a chance to go to the Olympics, absolutely. And it With
0: Olympic nimbleness, you turned around in your chair (laughs) and go. Yes,
1: (laughs) spun like... And it was for um, equestrian show jumping. Oh, all right, yeah. So I'm like, hey, it could be anything. You sure? I'm going. Yeah. So I called up my roommate and said, hey, you know, can you get out tomorrow and we'll head on down to Atlanta? And he said, yeah, I can take off. So we... Uh, Headed on down early in the morning and made our way to Atlanta, and it was actually, you know, not. It was on the outskirts of Atlanta, which, of course, many sports they have to go out away from yeah, all. Yeah, the they're main, all in make, different
0: arenas around Atlanta. That,
1: There's arenas, yeah. and then yeah, exactly. There's the ones they built, but then if it's going to be whitewater rafting, obviously it's sure. going to be in a river, which is right. X amount of miles away. Yeah. And this was at the uh, uh, Georgia Horse Park. So I may be saying it wrong, but uh, somewhere I have the picture of me standing with the sign. But yeah. Anyway, and so we drove out there and spent many hours watching them show jump and then you know after a good bit of that we said well we don't really don't know this sport that well and we've seen a bunch of it and I think we're going to see the same for a few more hours so now let's go back in and enjoy the Olympic Village and go see this stuff but you know I spent a good amount of time at the event and and we went in, and
0: yeah. did
1: some other fanfare things. So, with your with your tickets to the
0: equestrian sh- show jumping, you were you were allowed entry to all
1: the arenas that day, or no, no, no. It was the the, the Olympic Village was probably like the communal area. Oh, okay. where Everybody could go. Oh, I mean, okay. anybody oh. could just come from it Atle- wherever and walk around, and they had prizes oh, okay. and yeah, okay. such like that. But yeah, if you were going to go into like the aquatic center that day, you obviously had to have a. Take it for that event yes. during the Olympics yeah. time.
0: But. Now, how do you stand on this thorny issue? Uh, and again, I, I, I'm far from expert on the Olympics, but I know I've heard this keeps cropping up every time there's an Olympic. How do you stand on on this thorny issue of the incredible expense that each country has to deal with on building a, an Olympic facility? gets used once and never gets used again and this argument of well maybe we just talked about you know going right back to his grassroots history maybe we should go back to one of the greek islands and build a purpose-built facility there that all the summer games for example will happen in greece we don't have to keep spending these billions of dollars around the world that on facilities that get used hardly ever where, you, where are you on that? Do you think that's a good thing, a bad thing? Uh, or?
1: I think it depends on on the country, usually. Yeah. Some countries are able to continue using them as an aquatic center or as a youth facility or whatever. And yes. hopefully they've done quite well of maintaining them and, and finding a use for them. And I think it, you know, again, I'm not an economist and I'm certainly not part of the Olympic Committee and how they plan or the countries that host. But I guess they always balance it out like we're going to get that much more in revenue of people attending, spending money while they're here. The hype and whatever else they get yeah. uh, balances out to a better, but I'm sure there, in fact, I know there's many events or years of the Olympics where they've gone massively into debt. Yes. And I don't know, again, who's the person or who's the committee that decides how that's going to work, but it is so sad to see the ones that go into disrepair and just get you know, yeah, wasted so I'm completely sh- I'm sure that's
0: something that the Olympics try not to focus on, but I'm also... 99% sure that there are facilities that have just gone into disrepair and never get used and oh, just yeah. fall away into nothingness. Yeah, which Sarajevo, terribly sad.
1: Sarajevo is always the one that I, th- I yeah. think of because it's just become a, it was a war zone and all the, you know, you, you'll see Pictures or videos on YouTube of what's left of the old bobsledding course and stuff like that, and how it's just been destroyed and everything like that. And, and again, I might be about
0: to suggest something that has already been happening for decades, as far as I'm aware, but it strikes me that those facilities, with more care and attention, could be repurposed into something else. Perhaps that already happens. You know, I'm probably, I'm probably saying, well, maybe the Olympic Village could become apartments yeah. and sold off and money generated that way. And perhaps that is already happening. But that would strike me as a solution to this conundrum of, well, we've just spent X million stroke billion dollars in building this thing. What do we do with it now? Damn yeah.
1: yeah. And I think it's literally every country, when they finish up, handles it differently, probably. And how well they do it is yes. to be seen and decades would, down the line.
0: One would like to believe that all other host nations get together and and offer their advice. Well, you know, we built this and it didn't really work but if you'd built it like that then that would have been better or I would suggest you don't build it there because it's very difficult to get to it after the games. Why don't you build that facility somewhere else yeah Yeah, yeah. i I hope that's the case and
1: i think more now more than ever probably now they really have pressure on them to build alternative energy sources for you know using them and stuff like that there's probably more of that and of course the technology's you know gone rapidly improved who knows what they're doing over in tokyo but yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. hopefully it will, will come out and be a positive thing for them throughout the many decades to come so yeah well, we better we
0: better think about bringing this episode. That was that
1: was interesting. Yep. You ready to have the closing ceremonies? Is that what you're saying? <laughs>
0: you're so much better at this stuff than I
1: am. We're we're about to to, well, to, yeah, well to the, the cauldron will be extinguished and we'll move on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that was. I enjoyed. To, I, I didn't really know anything about the Miracle on Ice before we. I mean, I, I was aware of it, but I hadn't really heard of it. And I'm not sure if you was aware of
1: Eddie of the Eagle's exploits, but uh, yeah, they were, uh, two great stories. Huh? Yeah. I like and there are many, many, many more. You know, related to Olympic athletes and yeah. stuff that are out there, and more to come. Hopefully, hopefully, these uh, this couple of weeks will provide some. Yeah. So. Well, gentle listener, I hope you enjoyed
0: that too. And do please join us again for another episode of Match It and the Other Guy. So from me, it's bye-bye. And from Kevin, it's... Bye-bye as well. Yeah. See, See you again. then.